Hello and welcome back to another episode of 20 Minutes Fitness. This is episode 29. My name is Charlie, welcome back to our regular listeners and if it's your first time stopping by, I really hope you enjoy. Today I want to expand on Leslie's previous episode number 21, which was the best ways to boost recovery time and avoid injury. And so today I'll be talking about the science behind muscle recovery. Firstly, what's actually happening when you work out? What's happening to your muscles? Why do they ache? Why are they sore? And then the best ways to actually increase recovery time, recuperate and feel like your best self again when going into your next training session. As always, you can find all the show notes at www.20minute.fitness and all the links will be in the show notes. Please feel free to email us with any topic suggestions, any questions about the podcast you may have or any topic we previously have covered or just to let us know which type of podcast episodes you are really enjoying. So send us an email at podcast at 20minute.fitness. 20 Minute Fitness is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanning scale. You step on and the robotic arm will spin around your body and capture your body data and it will send a visual representation of your body in three dimensions to the app on your phone. It will tell you all sorts of useful body composition insights such as your body fat percentage, your lean muscle mass and your muscle girth measurements, making it an all-round body measurement tracker. It is now available for pre-order at shapescale.com. So enough of the intro and let's get into today's topic, the science behind muscle recovery. So I should say, even though there are different types of muscle, such as cardiac, skeletal, we will be focusing on skeletal muscle. So you've just had a hard workout. The next day or shortly afterwards, you're starting to feel sore. What is causing this? Well, as Leslie previously said, it is believed that lifting causes microscopic tears in muscle fibres in connective tissue. The tears start to accumulate and fatigue the muscle. After you work out, your body repairs and replaces damaged muscle fibres through a cellular process where it fuses muscle fibres together to form new muscle protein strands or myofibrils. The new repaired myofibrils increase in thickness and number, resulting in muscle hypertrophy, which is growth as we know it. Before we move on, I just want to say that muscle growth occurs when we rest. Whenever the rate of muscle protein synthesis exceeds the rate of muscle protein breakdown. And this is not when you are working out. This is when you want to rest and recuperate. This is when muscle growth and repair happens. So we know that the muscles get microscopic tears and the cellular process begins to repair the muscle. But let's look at this in more depth. So if you felt sore after a workout, you'll have experienced localised muscle damage. And this causes a release of inflammatory molecules and immune system cells that activate satellite cells to jump into action. The satellite cells come from outside the muscle fibres and rush to the area of damage. These then replicate mature into grown cells and fuse to your muscle fibres. So satellite cells act as a reserve population of cells 
that are able to pro proliferate in response to injury and give rise to regenerated muscle and also to more satellite cells. So this process of the satellite cells replicating, maturing and fusing to your muscle fibres is what causes the new muscle protein strands to grow, increasing the strength and visible size of your muscle, which means that you're more likely to be able to cope with similar physical activity and stimulus on the muscles later on when you do a future workout. Other satellite cells are also used to heal already damaged tissue, the healing of the muscle tissue helps to relieve that soreness you feel from exercising. But if you're now thinking, I've got to really crush my muscles until they're totally, totally sore, this is not the case. They don't have to feel sore after the workout, you just have to have the damage there for them then to rebuild. So we'll now start to look at how we can boost our recovery after a workout. How can we make sure that our muscles repair and recuperate faster? The overarching statement I should make is that if you do not provide your body with adequate rest or the right nutrition, you can reverse the anabolic process, which is actually the, the building up of muscle, and you can put your body into a catabolic status, which is where your body's going to be breaking down. So what shall we look at? How is it claims that we can boost our recovery scientifically of course number one we'll look at is cutting alcohol foam rolling and stretching giving your muscles adequate rest we'll have a look at compression garments and whether or not they work whether cold baths work after intense exercise and we'll also have a look at natural anti-inflammatories so we'll start from the bottom let's look at natural anti-inflammatories and these can include turmeric ginger and research has also indicated that foods high in vitamin b6 vitamin k and vitamin c so things like broccoli and cherries and also food that contains omega-3 such as fish oils oily fish will help your muscles recover faster a study was carried out at the school of psychology and sports sciences at northumbria university in newcastle on the influence of tart cherry juice on indices of recovery following marathon running 20 recreational marathon runners were assigned to either consume cherry juice or a placebo for five days before the marathon, the day of, and for 48 hours following a marathon run. Results concluded that cherry juice appeared to provide a viable means to aid recovery following exercise by increasing total antioxidative capacity. This means they, they can reduce the impact of the extra free radicals formed as a result of increased strenuous exercise. They also reduced inflammation of the muscles following exercise and so this aided the recovery of the muscle function. So let's briefly look at turmeric which a lot of athletes say helps them rebound very quickly from a strenuous session. So when we exercise we all know that we get pain, which is often accompanied by heat, redness and swelling. And this is, as we've already discussed, the body's inflammatory response. It's doing all it can to fix the pain, releasing chemicals called cytokines. One of these cytokines is called IL-6, and this causes the release of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Cortisol, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, increases levels of sugar in the blood and suppresses the, can suppress the immune system. IL-6 can also suppress the elements of the immune system that protect against infection. And curcumin, the active ingredient in turmeric, inhibits the activation of cytokines following exercise. So it could therefore play a role in not only protecting the immune system from IL-6, but in reducing inflammatory markers in athletes. In fact, a study was conducted by the Department of Biological Sciences and the Applied Physiology Laboratory in the University of North Texas 
where they investigated the effect of oral supplementation with bioavailable curcumin on muscle recovery. It was found that oral optimized curcumin supplementation did reduce the biological indices of muscle inflammation following exercise-induced muscle damage. However, it did not significantly reduce subjective quadriceps muscle soreness in the sample size following exercise-induced muscle damage. So this tells us that if you want to give turmeric a go to see if you can speed up your recovery, you could very well give it a go and see if it works for you. We will now explore compression garments and whether they're a marketing ploy or they could actually help you recuperate and get back to being fighting fit. So compression garments are tight, compressive forms of clothing. They're often made out of elastin and nylon and they're designed obviously to enhance your recovery. Quality compression gear is designed to deliver a specific level of pressure to the affected limb where you're feeling muscle soreness. And in theory, applying this pressure helps to improve circulation whilst allowing a free range of movement. According to Jessica Hill, a UK-based exercise scientist who authored a 2013 review on the topic of compression garments published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, compression garments apply an external pressure upon the body. So when we experience an inflammatory response, we get an increase in fluid and white blood cells to the affected area. This will then lead to swelling and an increase in pressure, leading to pain. Compression garments work by constricting your muscles and reducing the amount of fluid buildup, decreasing the swelling and pressure. Research and studies on compression garments are very mixed. However, in addition to the alleged effects of compression garments on inflammatory responses, their impact on the attenuation of creatine kinase has also been studied. Now, creatine kinase is an enzyme in your muscles that leaks out after muscle damage and can cause the ache. It's a well-understood biomarker of muscular damage. So, according to some research, the use of compression garments has been shown to be an effective recovery tool for reducing creatine kinase concentration after exercise. This reduction in creatine kinase concentration has been related to a lessening of creatine kinase release into the bloodstream, improved removal of metabolites, which are waste products, and an enhanced repair of muscle tissue. A group of Spanish scientists had a group of soccer players wear a compression sleeve on one leg and then nothing on the other leg. And then these players ran downhill for 40 minutes, which is an activity commonly used to elicit soreness. And the ones, the football players that were wearing the compression garment showed 27% fewer markers of soreness in the compressed leg than the free leg. So before rushing out to purchase your next pair of compression leggings, it may be worth your while doing some further research into this subject matter and deciding for yourself whether you believe the research for the benefits of compression garments or those that do think it is just a marketing ploy. So now let's consider alcohol. Can alcohol limit or impact your recovery? Can it stunt muscle growth? Let's explore all of this. So alcohol can inhibit REM sleep, which is often considered the most restorative stage of sleep. And sleep is so imperative to muscle recovery. So in some respects, yes, already alcohol can limit your muscle recovery. Alcohol can reduce muscle growth by suppressing muscle protein synthesis, which shifts the net balance in favour of muscle breakdown, so being catabolic. When consumed post-workout, these negative effects are amplified. So if you're someone who hits a workout, then goes and has a beer, probably wouldn't advise this. 
This is because your workout itself is catabolic. So that's increasing muscle protein breakdown. And obviously, the longer you go, the harder you go, the more catabolic you are. And then having a drink drink after training decreases muscle protein synthesis even more and increases muscle protein breakdown. So really, it is the worst thing you can do to have an alcoholic beverage after working out. Testosterone is a member of a group of hormones known as androgens. And in particular, it plays a key role in regulating muscle mass and also in the body's response to exercise. Testosterone directly affects muscle growth by binding to receptors on the surface of muscle cells and amplifies the biochemical signals in muscle tissue that results in protein synthesis. Higher testosterone can also increase levels of another growth factor called growth hormone and growth hormone is released in response to exercise. Like testosterone, growth hormone increases protein synthesis and thus can result in increased muscle mass and muscle growth. However, what are the effects of alcohol on testosterone? Well, alcohol stimulates the brain to release certain endorphins, and they might make you feel relaxed and good, but they have a negative effect on testosterone synthesis. Alcohol consumption can cause oxidative damage and destruct testosterone molecules already in circulation. High alcohol consumption can actually increase estrogen. And excessive estrogen in men can result in a raised or higher body fat percentage and it can contribute to diabetes and higher lipid levels. There are studies to show that the odd drink on a weekend or throughout the week will not harm your muscle recovery. But obviously, as many of you will already be aware, the advice is to limit your alcohol consumption if you want your body to repair and recuperate in the most optimal manner. So from alcohol, we're now going to talk about foam rolling, stretching or deep tissue massage, which appears to be a big trend at the moment with whole classes being dedicated to stretching, foam rolling and really focusing on recovery. So let's first start with foam rolling. Foam rolling is a muscle releasing technique in which you roll the target muscle on a hard cylindrical um, foam roller to increase blood flow and reduce inflammation. Now, as was the case for compression garments and even for the effect of alcohol and recovery, foam rolling and stretching and deep tissue massage is met with a lot of controversy and, co- and differing opinions. A study conducted at the School of Human Kinetics and Recreation, Memorial University of Newfoundland in Canada, tried to understand the effectiveness of foam rolling as a recovery tool after exercise-induced muscle damage, so after you work out, and they looked at various things such as analysing thigh girth, muscle soreness, and range of motion. So they had 20 male subjects with three plus years of strength training experience and they were randomly assigned into a control group or a foam rolling group and they were all given the same testing protocol and they participated in five different training sessions. The results concluded amongst other things that foam rolling did substantially reduce muscle soreness at all time points whilst also increasing range of motion. Another study conducted at Ohio State University's Sports Medicine Center concurred with the previously mentioned study. They found that self-myofascial release 
where you're basically foam rolling or massaging yourself with fascia referring to the connective tissue that binds and stabilizes your muscles that self-myofascial release did appear to have a positive effect on the range of motion and soreness of muscles following exercise but they did conclude that further study is needed to define optimal parameters for example when should do this self-myofascial release and for how long to age your performance and recovery However, as previously mentioned, there are many studies that contradict this um, finding. For example, David Bem, a professor of human kinetics at the University of Newfoundland, cited research from Germany and said that to have any effect on fascia, you would need a much higher force than a human would typically be able to exert on themselves. So basically, you'd have to take whatever you hear about um, self-myofascial release, such with a grain of salt see if it works for you try it out see if you can get any of those knots out increase the blood circulation and then you'll have to judge for yourself whether you believe you've sped up your muscle recovery or whether it's a, a placebo effect stretching really is the same again lots of contradicting information out there stretching as you all know works to counteract tightness and tension that builds up muscles and you try and basically pull the muscle back into its ideal or default state. And according to one study conducted in 2002 on the effect of stretching before and after exercising on muscle soreness and risk of injury, stretching produced small and statistically insignificant or non-significant reductions in muscle soreness. So again, we have been led to believe that stretching is ideal we should do it before and after exercising we need to do a cool down we need to do a warm-up but again contradictive and non-conclusive research out there so although my personal belief and i'm sure team shape's personal belief is to keep stretching before and after exercise to try and prevent injury and also boost recovery there is much evidence out there to say it is not as fundamental to recovery as previously thought the dreaded ice bath. Is it actually as good as we are all led to believe for your body's recovery? You'll have seen many professional athletes or have seen snaps of them standing in uh, wheelie bins full of ice cold water or taking ice cold baths. I know I used to have ice cold baths straight after a rugby match because we were led to believe that they could significantly increase muscle recovery or at least inflammation. But what does the science actually say? So the idea is that immersing your body in freezing cold water will speed up your recovery because it reduces temperature and blood flow and inflammation in the tissue of the muscles. Of course, we will all have seen we put a bag of ice on a bang if we banged our leg or our arm. We will have seen that it does do well to reduce the pain and swelling or when you've pulled a muscle, for example. However, a study conducted by the Centre for Exercise and Sports Science Research in Australia found that post-exercise cooling decreased microvascular perfusion and muscle metabolic activity. And these findings were consistent with the hypothesis that uh, cold water baths or ice water baths do improve local muscle recovery. However, like many other things we are talking about in today's episode, there is a lot of mixed information on whether we should actually be attempting to obliterate inflammation after we've worked our muscles out hard. Would it actually hinder our progress to try and, try and minimise the body's natural response to working out? There is a lot of research on uh, out there that suggests that using anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen can actually limit muscle recovery and growth. So what about ice baths? 
could they be hindering your progress in the same way? One study concluded in the Journal of Physiology that in humans, ice doesn't have the same effect that it does with some animals, such as rats. It does reduce swelling and soreness, but over a three-month period where the test subjects were working out and following a strength training course, they actually made smaller gains in muscle mass and strength. This show could show that they are recovering less optimally. Their study concluded that cold water immersion attenuated long-term gains in muscle mass and strength, and it also blunted the activation of key proteins and satellite cells, which we talked about earlier, in skeletal muscle up to two days after strength exercise. Jonathan Peake from Queensland University of Technology, who conducted a lot of these different trials and tests, found that ice baths might be useful for a quick recovery between events. So if you need to get your body back to fighting shape very quickly, then maybe it could be uh, a good thing to try out. But if you want to gain muscle in the long term and help your muscles to recover and build back stronger and more more visibly bigger, then perhaps they aren't a good long term strategy. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode on muscle recovery. As you've heard, research is very conflicted as to the different methods we can use to try and help our muscles recover faster. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't try these, Lots of these different techniques are subjective to your own body type. Obviously, if something like an ice bath has pre- uh, proven to work for you in the past, carry on doing so. Don't necessarily take everything at face value that we talked about today because chances are there is research to back something up or controversially, there is research also to say something may not be as good at helping the body recover as previously thought. But I hope you've learned something about what actually happens with the muscles when we are working out. So the satellite cells and myofibrils and also the different methods we can use to aid recovery. So if you have enjoyed, please don't forget to share the show with a friend, subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you listen on, uh, tweet us, comment, email us, and if you do email us a and screenshot your review, we will send you some 20-minute fitness merchandise, some swag, so make sure you do that. And now all there is left to say is see you next time.